Welcome to the Society Column, Swansea Social Sciences podcast. My name's Gideon Calder, and in this episode, I'm talking to Dr. Mengwei, two senior lecturer in sociology here at Swansea University. Mengwei's work focuses on migration and on the experiences of students who move countries in order to study, particularly to China. As we'll hear, this involves a whole range of different issues and questions. I met with Mengwei in the spring of 2023. I really hope you enjoy the discussion which follows. So, uh, Mengwei, can you tell us a bit about what led you to this area of research that we're going to talk about today? Uh, yes, my research uh, I want to share today is about international students to China and what happens to them after they graduate in China and uh, about their um, career and uh, migration trajectories. I've always been interested in international student mobility, but the way I approach it is to look at what happens after they graduate. Um, earlier, when I was doing my PhD in the UK, I looked at Chinese students in the UK and what happens to their career, their uh, migration plan after they graduate. And uh, when I finished my PhD, um, I started working in China. And uh, I noticed there's a growing number of international students in Chinese universities. And I thought, cracking, people rarely look at this group and we don't really talk about international students to China. Uh, so I thought it would be interesting to look at the international student flow into China. And so I thought um, it would be interesting instead of um, talking about um, students from China, we can look at international students to China and see what kind of experience and challenges they face that is different from a, uh, say, traditional Western receiving country. So when you're talking about mobility, what do you mean by that? When we're, when we're wondering about how mobile students are, what, what are we talking about there? Yes, mobility includes two um, dimensions. That uh, One is physical geographical mobility, that is, a student should have the mobility to move to you. You want to go to London to study, or you want to go to a different country to study. And the other dimension is socio-economical mobility. Um, that is usually associated with uh, spatial and ge geographical mobility. So, for example, you want to go to a better university in a bigger place in order to um, um, to borrow the capital words in order to gain a um, culture capital so that you, you can convert your university degree into, say, a better job in the market to convert into economic capital in order to gain, like uh, what we say, your socioeconomic mobility. Um, so that is what I mean by student mobility. So international student mobility, uh, of course, you look at cross-border uh, travel of students. And also you're looking at um, students exploring uh, education resource in a different country, uh, which adds to the complexity in comparison to students who only move within the UK or move within China. So this is this set of issues is only going to get bigger over time, isn't it? This is the, there's more and more mobility of this kind, and China is obviously a, a fast growing destination 
for students who are thinking about studying elsewhere. But I wonder what your kind of your, the main or most significant finding you've reached so far is. What what should we know about what's going on here? What are the most important things for for us to learn from your work? Uh, first, I think it was um, also a lesson for myself how ignorant. Um, I was about international student to China. How little we know about them. I think partly because um, they, a lot of them, don't speak Chinese. They came to China to study um, English-taught courses. It would be very challenging for international student who come to China um, also be required to study in Chinese. So their voice is actually. Uh, Seldom heard in China. Um, unlike international students, like say Chinese students to the UK, they can participate in all sort of activities in universities in the society because well, English is not a barrier for them. Um, but in China, because um, Chinese government is also trying to attract international students, so if they put Chinese language as a compulsory requirement, uh, that would be very Few people who can come, so I think the first message I want to say is that um, we need to listen to um, international students' voice much, much uh, more than uh, we have now, and they are a very diverse group. So I actually think is um, to some extent. Wrong to simply say international students to China.、Um, rather, in the future, we really should look at say、um, Pakistani students to China, Korean students to China, or、um, you can even say something、um, student with scholarship to China.、Um, because these days you don't simply say I'm doing research on international student to the UK because people would naturally say so. What kind of international? Which group? So that is,、um, I think,、uh, important message. And because first we need to recognize it's a complex group, it's a diverse group, and is a group with multi-dimensional aspirations and needs. I wonder if,、um, if we think about the future and the way the world is going in general, what do you think are the most important messages then here? What what should we be thinking about going forward? That's a big. That's a big question. Um, well, I think、uh, what we talk about these days is、uh, the role of China in the world stage.、Um, most media and study pay attention to the economic power of China, and indeed,、uh, China has risen in its economic power in the what twenty first century.、Um, but I think a lot of debate. Uh, is still going on surrounding、um, what is China going to do with this economic power or, or with this newly gained、uh, role in the international stage? So I think my research about inter-、uh, international student mobility to China tries to unpack this question from the education aspect. So in the last,、uh, let's just say, in from twenty. Ten, Chinese government did push forward、um, plans to encourage international students 
So in the past decade, there is a rapid increase of student number. Um, a few years ago, we were already talking about how China has become the world's third largest student receiving country. But statistics is only one side of the story. In my research, I interview students, I interview university tutors of international students, and I also interview um, Chinese employers who are potentially um, providing uh, job opportunities for international students. Um, I think there are a lot needs to be done in supporting international students' transition into labor market. Uh, because I felt overwhelmingly international students uh, in China, um, in my study, expressed strong desire to continue work in China because they are attracted to the economic opportunity in China. On the other hand, uh, these students tend to come from less developed economy um, in Asia so what they've been repeatedly saying to me is, um, now I've seen how modern China is. I don't want to go back to my country where I can't really find job. And especially in during COVID, when, for example, I talked to some Pakistani inter- uh, students, they said how um, their home country's economy has been badly hit. By COVID, um, in comparison, China is um, recovering fast from uh, the COVID pandemic. So um, they are really inspired to uh, remain and find job in China. And in fact, a lot of them are successful in Chinese job market. Um, they they start to work as chemical engineers. Uh, some start to work as postdoc researchers. So there is a growing demand in high-skilled market for these international students. Um, however, I identified that there are gaps in Chinese um, migration policy in the whole uh, migration infrastructure that could facilitate these highly educated, um, highly qualified young people's successful transition into the Chinese labor market where they can actually uh, make the most of what they what they have learned um, in Chinese universities. So there are these gaps that is actually preventing a lot of students who um, have grown to like China, have grown to um, see China as their potential second home um, to remain um, and work. So that would be a great loss um, for the for China as a student hosting country. And uh, it would also be very harmful for these um, graduates who um, wants to continue stay in China. What's really striking when you talk about it in that way is that when you look at something like education, you get this link between individual stories of people just trying to get on in life and achieve what they can. But all of the implications spin out in all of these different directions like economic and political we learn a lot about social questions about the priority of education it's a really interesting focal point not just in terms of the the fascinating stories that you hear about people's lives and 
the way they navigate them, but just what it tells us about the importance of education in the wider world. Yes, yes. And uh, if you put China in the whole global um, um, education market in com- comparison with, say, UK and the US, Australia, you will see how it is tentatively um, decentralizing the uh, global education market, which has been dominated by um, uh, the US and uh, Western European countries. Uh, but of course, the question is, to what extent um, has or can China's rise as a education hub challenge these uh, existing dominance and hierarchy? Um, on the one hand, um, like I mentioned before, my worry is uh, if the migration infrastructure um, does not develop as fast as it should to um, facilitate students' transition into labor market, then the risk is the students' mobility will go downwards. Uh, because based on all the previous research about, um, say, Chinese students in Western countries, um, students, individuals, they are attracted by the, um, by the jobs. And they will try their best to stay. And sometimes they will stay if they, can't, if they don't have a good uh, work visa route f- to facilitate them. They risk being exploited by local employers. Um, for example, um, some student would be asked to stay on tourist visa uh, if there are barriers to get um, um, work visa or if there is barriers to have a very clear path to permanent residency. Um, so what we're looking at here is um, a great uncertainty surrounding uh, China's position in the global education landscape. Would it introduce more diversity or would it introduce further stratification to these already very unequal global education landscape? Brilliant. Well, Mengwei, it's been fascinating talking to you about your work. I'd like to thank you again for coming in today and also to wish you all the best with your future endeavours. Uh, we'll be really keen to catch up with where you get to next with your with your fascinating research. Thank you, Gideon. It's a pleasure talking to you. And I'm really glad that I can share this piece of research with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Society Column. The next one will be available next Monday from wherever you normally find your podcasts.